What's up, everyone? Welcome to Narwhals episode 25. My name is Drew Wilson. Kieran Flanagan. And we have our, on our show today, this is Nathan Firth. Yeah. What's Welcome. up, Nate? Not a much. Um, I've known Nathan for quite a while. Okay. Yeah. Look a lot more dressed up than me. Yeah. Uh, since like 2002 or something like that. Um, yeah. Go way back. But why don't you tell everybody else who you are and what you do? No, I'm Nathan Firth. I'm the founder of a company called New Rocket. Uh, we create employee portals for large enterprise organizations. Sweet. So mm. you, that com- that branches off of um, what's the big platform? ServiceNow. ServiceNow. Yeah. Yeah. So Sweet. ServiceNow is a enterprise service management application that we treat as kind of the back end for how enterprise facilitates and manages their services. And we uh, basically work with the organizations to create a custom front end that is the you know, a custom interface for how you interact with that back office. Cause it's a, it's a pain. Yeah, correct. Right. Yeah. That's every time I meet you that you're, you're always telling me, you're always, you're always saying, man, service now it's a pain. Yeah. No, I mean, as a, as a platform, it's absolutely incredible. You could do absolutely anything with it because it really is to be a built to be a platform as a service. But as you can imagine, enterprise software is not really famous for their, for their good UI. Right. So that's kind of where we come in. Yeah. That's awesome. And you are in the enterprise world right now, um, but you haven't always been there. What is kind of the journey to enterprise? Well, so I've, I mean, I got started doing startups. I've always had a passion for entrepreneurialism and doing startups. And through that process, you know, started building out uh, e-commerce applications, started going into the world of SaaS and building software as a service. And through that process, uh, one of the startups I'd worked on was acquired. It kind of didn't know where to go from there and uh, had an enterprise software company reach out and bring me on staff uh, where I actually helped build out a new SaaS model uh, platform for them. And through that, it's just been spending, you know, past 10 years kind of bouncing around, uh, you know, a lot of software companies here in San Diego County. And through that, you know, had the opportunity to work with some of the largest organizations in the world. And after a while, you kind of get to hear the same complaints over and over. And it, it sets you up perfectly to, to build a company. Mm, that's cool. What would you say um, dictates your moves? Like over the past decade or however long, like when you would bounce from thing to thing or bounce from like certain kind of technology to certain kind of technology or language to language. Mm-hmm. Um, like what dictates your decision to move to something like what is it that, and I think about this a lot just from like my own trajectory, and I know, you know, you've got uh, one that is, is just as very varying as mine, but like, I'm interested to know, like, what would you say made you do that? I, I kind of want to take out the part where you decided, like, you saw this need or you saw this, this uh, low hanging fruit that you could jump on this opportunity, but like up to that point, like what would make you go from A to B and then over to C and then. Um, yeah. So it's been, a lot of it's just been looking for trends and opportunities. So when I was working for the very first software company that we were at, uh, they were a ServiceNow customer. And the whole time I I was there, I kept hearing them talk about how ServiceNow was an upcoming software company. They were literally blowing up and transforming the whole industry. Mm -hmm. And there was also a lot of talk about uh, an upcoming IPO. So everyone was you know, the company I was in within on my team, everyone was trying to get in because we all knew the company was going to blow up and they were going to have a big IPO. So it was uh, it was really twofold. It was one, it was a huge financial opportunity to come in, you know, kind of early stage before the company blew up and became public. And then the second part is because they're, 
literally transforming their industry. Uh, you know, it was seemed like such a great opportunity to get in uh, and be part of that. Yeah. So it definitely sounds like the word you used a couple of times is opportunity, right? Yeah. And I know you spoke at uh, Shape at the first Shape meetup. You were on the, the first panel uh, and that got brought up and it was a similar um a couple of you had had that answer. Uh, you and John yeah. uh, Lynch kind of had a similar uh, response to the question, saying that like what you're doing now and where you found success uh, has been from an opportunity that you not only sensed but then jumped on. Yeah, and I think that's super interesting. And I think in a lot of ways, um, that's just like that's the entrepreneurial foundation in certain people is the ability to do that and the ability to act on that. But I even think just outside of that, like just jumping from language to language or from jumping from design to development or back or to iPhone, you know, to making apps or whatever, like I would say the exact same thing is true for me, at least like there's a new opportunity here. Uh, it's 2007 or 2008 and there is no such thing as the app store yet, yeah. but this thing just got announced and I think that would be super cool. I think there's an opportunity there. Let's go, let's go do it. And what it really ends up being is an opportunity to waste all your time. <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity to regret. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what it seems like it ends up being, but this is like a different approach, um, versus like, Hey, I want to make this thing. Uh, I've always wanted to see it out there. And so then you go and make it and hopefully someone will like it. This is like totally, you know, coming at it from the opposite angle. It's like, oh, there's a bunch of people that want this. Yeah. I'll build this for them. And then all of a sudden they instantly are customers um, and actually paying you money. Uh, and I remember you told me one time that you have customers or potential customers that will ask you like, hey, uh, you guys build widgets for a service now. Give us one of each. Yeah, and they have no idea what they're even getting. They just want all the widgets. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it, it's it's pretty funny how that works. But and one thing I'll comment about what we were just talking about is, um, you know, I think with with an entrepreneur, it's it's not like they are. It's not that they're really that different than anyone else. But it's really just we all have those opportunities that we go through in life. But an entrepreneur is just one who kind of is. Uh, looking out for those opportunities and they're able to spot them. And when that right opportunity does arise, they're willing to take the risk, quit their job and, and jump on that. And I think that's, that's one of those major differences uh, because even when you listen to a lot of the major entrepreneurs, it's not like they had this brilliant idea and all of a sudden they were successful. It was really, you know, they were the right guy at the right time and the right opportunity. And then they jumped on it, you know? So a lot of it has to do with chance you know, uh, but I think the entrepreneur, he's the one who is able to see that opportunity and then jump on it. And, you know, especially working on enterprise software, like you just commented, it's, they have huge budgets. They're they're I almost want to compare them to the government. You know, they have these huge budgets and they know what they need and they want to, you know, they want to be the best when it comes to, you know, enterprise service management. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, huge IT departments that spread across, you know, the whole world, literally, you know, they'll have sometimes thousands of offices and tons of help desks. And so it's, they all want to streamline their operations and create this nice, beautiful front that sits in front of everything that, you know, all the employees can, can use. And so when we come up and we say, look, we're the experts, this is the one thing that we do. Uh, we find that they just go, look, we don't know, but we trust you guys. So whatever you have, we'll take it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's lovely when you can get that 
in your own companies for someone to be like, hey, I'll just take whatever you have. You One of everything, that. please. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping back a little bit further in the timeline of Planet Earth, um, you are, I don't think you mentioned this, but you are, I guess, like a full stack developer, do design as well and do it all yourself. Can you talk a little bit about how that has been an advantage to you in like uh, starting your business and just like your entrepreneurial career? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean, at this point, I guess I would call myself a unicorn, even though I, I hear so many people that completely diss on that term. No, dude, you're a narwhal. <laughs> yeah, that's why we created the show. <laughs> Have you not heard that term before? Narwhal <laughs> is people that can code, design, and run a business. So it's better than a unicorn. And, and it's because it's real. Live by the water. Unicorns are fanciful, and uh, and narwhals are real. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this all goes back to you know loving business, having a passion. I mean, when everyone else was playing video games, my idea of video games was real life starting a business and trying to figure out how to make that work. Uh, That seems like that's the best video game in the world. But with that, you know, I knew I wanted to do web apps. I wanted to do online software and not knowing how to do it myself was a, and not having the capital or, or money to be able to go hire someone else is really what drove me into you know, back in 1994, learning HTML, there wasn't CSS yet. And I didn't have PHP at the time. So, you know, it just started off as building, building websites and doing it for friends and family and cousins and relatives and anyone that I could come across. That was a lot of, a lot of tables. Yeah. Yeah. Lots and lots of tables and inline, inline everything with, yeah, you're defining everything from font tags and everything directly in the... Remember how yeah. much of like a horrible nightmare it would be to figure out exactly which row or or cell am I in right now in the Tables table structure the because it yeah. just gets so massive. The whole site is one table. Yeah. yeah. And everything was designed for 640 by 480. Like <laughs> People listening, literally the entire site is a table. You do HTML tag, body tag, table tag. And everything else is inside that. And then you close the table tag, close the body tag. There you go. It was like the only way for the longest. Maybe not the only way. But it was was the best way to get vertical centering for the longest time. Like you would just make a 100% height and width table cell. And then you'd be able to center text. The line middle. Yeah. Yep. Man. And you you would write, instead of CSS, you would just write everything in line. Yeah. Yeah. On the elements. Good times. Do not miss that. No global anything. Yeah. No state. And where did it go from the, where did it go from? Well, so markup? obviously once you kind of learn the markup, then it really became, well, this is still pretty ugly. So learning design, playing around in Photoshop, I think with version 3.0. Um, and so it really became kind of that balancing act between learning HTML, then obviously introducing CSS and having to change the entire paradigm. Now go to CSS based layouts. Um, but at the same time, it's this is still very static. So now all of a sudden, it's learning scripting and writing Perl and CGI scripts. And then eventually PHP came around, so then making that transition. So, you know, and even during that whole process, there, there wasn't even, or at least I hadn't heard of it, but, you know, SEO and search and optimization. So back in the, you know, or I would say late 90s, I was learning that you can manipulate your website in order to get higher ranking. So I was running an online skate shop that I had built. Uh, it was entirely written in Perl and just doing basically what back then was SEO and, and watching my websites get higher rankings and driving traffic. So it's kind of been this, uh, this process of having to learn every aspect of, of web development and, and marketing and, and business. Yeah. 
do you, on a side from what you were saying, I don't know what you guys have, but like when, when you figured out CSS and you figured out that, oh, it's more than just changing the color of links as I hover them. And you realize, oh, I can design a whole side on this. Like for me, that was like one of the most exciting moments in web design. Yeah. When CSS Zen Garden was out and it was oh, one yeah. HTML piece of HTML, but everyone could make it look different. And he, I can't remember who ran it. He would post everyone's different like yeah. looks of the Zen Garden. And so it was just one specific HTML, but they would look vastly different. Yeah. CSS. And I, when I, when I came across that and I realized, oh, I can use this. Like that was one of the most exciting times versus now when something new comes out, it's like, <sighs> there's I mean, another thing. It's, it's, it's making the process easier, but it's, it's, uh, it's time consuming. It's not taking away this massive amount of work that, uh, CSS did for like laying things out in line with tables. Like imagine like every element you have to put the style tag in line and say exactly what that element's going to do. Like, on across the whole website and then there's CSS and you can just do it all in one file and it's all global and yeah. everything can share code. And it's like, what? That was like massively time saving. And then I don't know, it's, it's hard to find something like that these days where it's like that huge of a holy smokes. I remember when I found Zen garden, I was so confused. I was like, how does this work? Why does this work? And how is he able to achieve all these designs and where's all the styles? Yeah. And you would have other people submit uh, their designs and they would post them. I was like, oh, I want to, I want to submit mine, but I'm, I'm not good. (laughs) The box is red now (laughs) with a border. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was big, and uh, the they call it DHTML, right? Which is the dynamic Dynamic HTML, HTML. which is really just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And there'd be job listings of like, oh, we want someone to DHTML. Yeah, Yeah, so funny. Yeah, what even was? But that was kind of the big. There was was nothing different about it. It was just a marketing. No, it was just the combination. I think. I think it was just a combination of the three. You put the three together and it's called DHTML because you can do dynamic things with yeah. JavaScript, I guess. But yeah. JavaScript had, uh, as soon as you first started using it, it's not like it came about. It was there already. Yeah. But as soon as, you, as soon as you first started using it when you were making these little like static you know, websites, that was a big game changer. And jQuery and prototype and like those things were, those were huge. Those were like just as big of like this epiphany. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're like, holy cow, we can go completely overboard with this. It took me years to figure out how to say that word. Because I would always <laughs> glance at it and never bother to like read it because it's so long. Never actually look at the letters. Yeah, I never actually. I would always like have to Google script and then O U L S or something like that, and I would then it would give me the website. I never bothered to like read <laughs> it for years. I'm, I was the same way with CSS. I couldn't. I couldn't be bothered to remember those three letters. I said to Google. Are you serious? No. Okay. Oh, I, was like, I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember what the middle letter was. <laughs> I was like, oh dang. Yeah, CCS. Scriptaculous. I I was on Prototype first, and then Scriptaculous because yeah. it had all the cool yep. effects. And then when jQuery came around, that was the first time um, I had seen. Because at that that point, the web was far far enough along that there was like communities forming, and like there was enough blogs that you felt like there were humans. Uh, versus before, it just seemed like a wasteland. And every now and again, someone would put something out. Um, and that was the first time I was like, oh, wow, the whole like web community is shifting towards this jQuery thing. Whereas like with Scriptaculous and everything, you knew people were using it, but it wasn't like yeah. there's people writing about it and making things for it because it wasn't like a plugin architecture like jQuery was. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, the plugin community was super active. And there was a ton of support for ad- people adding their own things. And yeah, I was prototype initially. And I don't think I went to Scriptaculous, but... And I, was, I remember when jQuery, people started using jQuery and I was like, why would you use that? No, I already got a good thing. 
And then like, you can only hold out when like, oh, the community is like, nope, this is what we're doing. Yep. And yep. now, and now it's totally, it's, it's shifted to the point where it's like, no, why would you use jQuery? Like it doesn't even make sense now. That's just a dependency. Don't add that. Did either of you it's guys like, use so MooTools? I, I, I use it uh, a little bit, but I always just stayed on Scriptacular. It sounds familiar, but I don't remember what it is. That was another runner up that was trying to compete with oh. Scriptaculous and, and I think Prototype. it's still yeah. around. Yeah. I'm pretty sure MooTools is still around. It's called Moo. But yeah, it was, it was pretty much the same thing. Like all those back then, they had like the cool effects of an accordion. Right. And they had uh, uh, showing and hiding. Yeah. Which was all done with JavaScript and made everything. Right. Slow. And now if you're doing, yeah, now if you're, if you're doing your transition animations with JavaScript, well, it was even wrong. slower. <laughs> it was even slower back then because the browsers yeah. were way slower and the computers were way slower. And yeah. using JavaScript animations was like amazing because it was the only way to do it outside of Flash that time right um because css didn't have any at that time yeah as soon as you could do figure out how to do ajax and figure out how to make those transitions you it was a game game changer yes brought a lot of people from flash i went flash first i was action script too and yep built a ton of sites like that yep me too that was the transition was me three kind of uh mirror what is what is the gnarliest flash site that you had to make <laughs> oh gosh uh we built a we did a contract for qualcomm that had to be translated into 10 languages, but they wanted it also on a multimedia disc as well as on the web. And so we had to build the exact same application twice in 10 languages, but one using HTML5. And this was before HTML5. This was like when it was still, it wasn't even really ready yet, Mm -hmm. but it was, but we were able to leverage it. And then the second half of the application uh, had to be in flash. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to hire a guy at that point. HTML5, so that was pretty recently. Let's see. When did HTML5 come out? This was 2011. Yeah, decently recently. Decently recently. Decently recently. And they, it's funny about HTML5, they decided for some reason to make a, I don't know who decided this, to make a big deal about it. And they made like a little logo for it. A shield, yeah. It's not a shield, is it? Yeah. Yeah, the five in the shape of a shield. I'm like, I'm still to this day confused why all that happened. Yeah. (laughs) It was like this big branding initiative around Around a markup. Yeah, I'm I'm still, honestly, someone please tell me why that this is, why this matters Mm. enough to have. (laughs) I mean, obviously we can come up, we can think of what the logo is off the top of our head, which is. I mean, to me, it's like what they did with web 2.0. Except yeah. Web 3.0, and they just decided instead of that call HTML5 because I think the HTML5 branding has more to do with just HTML, or maybe it's only HTML, I don't know. But got me. I can't even tell you the last time I wrote an HTML tag. <laughs> really? Like it's all templating languages now. Like I just wrote yeah. it all in either. I'm just Hamel glad we finally moved or... away from XHTML. Oh gosh. Yeah. You must be very strict and close everything. Yeah. Like XML. Oh man. Um. So okay. So moving past uh, markup languages. Um, I have more to say. No, go ahead, please, <laughs> oh, please move on. Oh, okay. Uh, so you right now are running a business, as you mentioned. Yep. Um, how's that going? So you went from the uh, the loan designer, a loan engineer, to then pulling some people in contract, and now you have a team yep. in an office, and now you're not coding that much, or what's going on there? I wish I was coding. That that's when I get to have a day when I get to code. That those are good days. No, uh, right now we have a, a very unique problem, and I will just say it feels like we're out fishing, but the fish are just jumping in the boat, and now it's just trying to keep the boat floating. 
So most of my days now is spent talking to customers. So we've brought on um, an operations guy who's kind of managing everything and just basically telling me what we need to be doing in order to be able to keep up with all the work. And his, you know, essentially the, the guidance he has given is that I need to just focus on sales because we can always hire additional engineers. We can always bring on designers to help build out all the projects that we have. But yes, yeah, so now most of, I mean, kind of, you know, where we're uniquely positioned in the market is just because for this one thing, you know, I've made a little bit of a name for myself. So whenever people come to, hey, we need to bring in uh, and build an employee portal to sit in front of IT, HR and procurement or what have you, you know, I'm usually become the first line of contact. And that's a very unique position to be in. And so that's I end up spending most of my days on on phone calls. How much do you struggle with uh, trust? like trusting the people around you to tell you what you should be doing or to trust that you can go higher out. It sounds like you've, you've delegated since you were, you know, super young. So it sounds like the, the having a team to, to delegate to probably doesn't strike you as a challenge, but how does trusting the, the, the team around you, like laterally, uh, how do you deal with it? Well, I think the hardest part of that is when you're dealing with things that you're really good at. Yeah. You know, so for example, when it comes to code, And I hire engineers and I ask them to go, hey, I need you to go write this widget. And then I come back 10 hours later and go look at it. And I'm like, what were you thinking? This is all wrong. You know, this is not semantic. This is completely backwards. And and so it's it's part of my job now is also to train the team to think like me and to write code like me. And it's not that my way is so much better than anyone else's, but we all need to write it consistently. Because when we write code consistently, that means that, you know, essentially because we do the same thing over and over and over again. And if we keep everything consistent, that means we can write a single style sheet, make some changes, and then go and apply it to a completely different portal. And everything just works and updates and looks beautiful. And it cuts down on the development time probably by, you know, by well over half. Sure. So on the development side, I have to remain pretty active, but it's making sure that everyone on the team understands why we do things and how to you know, essentially duplicate that. Um, you know, I, I find where I do really well is on the product, on the service, on the sales and the marketing. I feel like I, I have that on lock. I got that part figured out, but where I don't do so well is actually on, you know, the operations, the finance, the running the business. And right now it's like for the past six months, I've been doing payroll. I'm also doing the bookkeeping and doing things that I clearly shouldn't be doing. Sure. And it's a hat you have to wear. It's a hat that I'm wearing right now, but I am just, I'm just waiting for the day when the right person steps in so I can delegate that. Yeah. So you wouldn't have trouble trusting somebody to do something that you don't feel comfortable doing. Yeah, exactly. But there's also, I would say that, you know, once you, you realize where your shortcomings are and what you're good at and what you're not good at, you know, when it comes to, I'll give you an example is, you know, even projecting and forecasting into the future, our finances. I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I, I've never done that. And so finding a guy who really has done that in the past, listening to him talk about it, you realize, wow, this guy is clearly, you know, above and beyond what I could do. So it, at that point, it doesn't become very difficult to, to hand that off. Yeah. Hiring smarter people than yourself makes it easy to trust. Yeah. Um, because you're looking to them like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they give you answers and you're like, this is fantastic. Right. Um, okay. So, you have not even mentioned the name of your company. It is New Rocket. New Rocket. NewRocket.com. Rocket. And you guys are in um, Vista. Vista. Okay. 
right next to your brother's place, which yeah. is Booze Brothers. Booze Brothers. Know that, know that place. Yeah. So down here in SoCal, there's a pretty big uh, craft brew scene. Pretty big. And um, and they're of decent size now. Yeah. Um, They've grown significantly, right? Like it's been. They're Booze Brothers because it's the Firth Brothers, and he's one of the Firth Brothers. Yeah. You're a Booze Brother. I am. Wow. That's I'm the cool. oldest booze brother. Yeah, they. I mean, they have grown incredibly. It started off with just brewing beer out of my parents' garage, and next thing you know, they were you know doing 120 barrels of beer out of my parents' garage, and I don't even think that's legal. How did they? Yeah, it's like in a tub. Yeah, like yeah. stirring it with a big like oar. That's what they do in Three Stooges, Curly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not far from the truth. And they had uh, you know 16 beer taps. Uh, running from a cooler out of my parents' balcony into the garage. And so very quickly, my parents decided, we need to get you guys out of here because this is probably against the law. And just tons <laughs> of beer just flowing everywhere from the rooftop all the way down. Well, and also think about the name, Booze Brothers. I mean, where do you think that name came from? It's because every alcoholic in the city was coming over to my parents' house and drinking beer. <laughs> out of the garage. <laughs> Let's uh, go to the Bruce Brothers' parents' house. Yeah. <laughs> The booze, booze parents. You should call it booze parents. Yeah, I think that's been said before. Yeah, uh, and but they've grown significantly, like leaps and bounds. Yeah. I mean, if if you have good beer in San Diego, being the the mecca of craft brew that it is, like you're going to grow. Like, yeah, it's it's insane. Well, I'll say specifically for them, I think what really made them grow wasn't so much that their beer was better than anyone else. It was all about the atmosphere. Mm. Uh, I mean, they created a huge tasting room and spent yeah. all their time really on the decoration and, and getting the right couches and the right, just going. It's got, it's got a vibe. It's, it's really got a cool. vibe. Yeah. Building a huge outdoor patio, getting live bands to play, getting fire pits. I mean, they really created an environment where people want to come and hang out. Yeah. So when you are looking on a Monday night and you go check a lot of the major breweries, they're fairly empty. You come to Booze Brothers and there's just people everywhere. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Um, shifting gears yet again. Do you have the Nintendo Switch? I don't, but I want one. Gosh, we, uh, our, last week, we, we talked like an entire second episode off the air uh, with Michael Jackson about the Switch. There's like a, a part two episode that just wasn't recorded, but we stayed here for another like 40 minutes. Yeah, we got the... Uh, have you seen the new Zelda? Uh-uh. No, I haven't seen it. He likes real life video games, not uh, not, not okay, digital video wow. games. Did you ever play Zelda? Uh, I did. Did you like it? Yes. Okay, but it's <laughs> well, been a long time. <laughs> well, uh, this new Zelda is amazing. It's, it's like an, unbelievable. It's an open world, and so literally as far as you can see, you can go there, uh, and you can climb. You can do whatever around. you want. It's crazy. It's so incredibly. Anyways, if you if you had played it. <laughs> It would be way more of a fantastic conversation, but it might fall a little short right now because this, yeah. this is where it, we're just going to start talking about how exciting it is. It's it's beyond exciting. I think, uh, yeah, it's going to sell a lot of Nintendo Switches. Yeah, I didn't play it once during Cave Week because uh, I was working the whole time, uh, which was last week for me. Um, but uh, I wished I could. You should have a second Cave <laughs> Week or a third Cave Week, as it were, where you just play Nintendo. Yeah, I'm don't sure, do any not work. Sure how well that would go yeah. with the family. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, kids. Dad's playing Nintendo this week. Yeah. Um, so outside of um, outside of working, what's going on with you? Oh man, trying to find enough time to actually get exercise and get out and eat and and, you, and do family. You do trampoline parkour. 
Uh, what is it called? It's called like bounce style. I don't know. It's probably free running, maybe free, free bouncing. So I've always had a passion for extreme sports, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it seems like it changes almost weekly. You know, some weeks we go rock climbing, then it's skateboarding, then we'll go snowboarding. And, and lately it's been parkour and snake boarding that too. We've yeah. definitely done some snake boarding. So it's, yeah, whatever gives you that adrenaline rush, but you know, it, so you just bounce around on trampolines and like do flips and land in. Try not to land on your head. And, yeah. Basically. That's awesome. I remember I, I was at a trampoline park once when I was younger. It was super cool, but I grew up with a trampoline. We grew up with one of the big like rectangle ones, yeah. like as a kid. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was so much fun. It was also the cause of a lot of injuries. You know, you, as a kid, you'd try to jump as high as you can and then see how far you could jump and land on the grass. You know, it's not super hard, but still. You still, get, uh, you still could break some boats. Yeah, and my wife was actually talking about, um, after KV, she's like, you're going to die. <laughs> so she's like, you need to like go outside because I'd be like, oh, I went outside for the first time. Like, oh, by the way, uh, big thanks to Death, Stock, uh, Death to Stock Photo. Um <laughs> During cave week, I got a package. This is one of the one times I went outside to pick up a package and then slowly close the door. (laughs) (laughs) It burns. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They sent me a narwhal costume, which I totally forgot. I'll wear it next time. (laughs) Or actually, you're going to wear it next time. We have to to bet on something. (laughs) Yeah, we have to see who's going to wear it. And whoever loses. Whoever wins. They sent me an adult-sized narwhal costume. So it looks kind of like the left Did they make it? Did they no, actually no, make it? No, they bought it. Oh. Uh, but it's got a narwhal. It's like got a hoodie, you know. It's like footy yeah. pajamas. It's got a hoodie with a narwhal. That's awesome. Horn, which, That's awesome. Yeah, it looks kind of cartoony. It's it's super cool looking. Um, you should come back and just wear it. Just like hang out and yeah. wear it. <laughs> In the back. The narwhal. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyways, my wife was saying, uh, you're going to die. You need to like do some exercise. And um, I was like, yeah, but you know, there's work. Trampoline. And, Go trampoline yeah, but she was like, well, you just need to like go out and like go on a walk. So I'm like, all right, gosh darn it. Starting at some point, <laughs> I'm going to like walk to starting the beach tomorrow. and back and like take the whole team down, walk to the beach and back. Oh, from here? Yeah. Like maybe instead of like a meeting inside, we'll just go a walk and walk meet. to the, you know, put our feet That's in good. the water at least. Instead of a stand up, you got to walk. A walk out. up or a walk out. A walk about. A walk about. Just like the aboriginals. And yeah. you could take your switch with you. On this walk, <laughs> the guy, I get it, guys. <laughs> so they're playing solid. No, I have to keep that thing away from me. Yeah, um, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah, um, I've noticed there's so many things that are fighting for our time these days that mm-hmm. something has to go, and it yeah. can't be family and it can't be business at this point. So what that's been lately has been movies, video games, entertainment, yep. and unfortunately, it's also been a lot of being just being able to get out and exercise. Yeah. So. Right now, what we've been trying to do is we just usually around one o'clock, we'll try to pack up the whole team and we'll just go for a walk around the block and come back. Yeah. And that's been, that's been great. But how often do you guys do it? Well, it was supposed to be every day, but then I forgot to block on my calendar lunch. And so then people just book all the way through lunch. And then I find, you know, sometimes we'll go three, four days where I barely even eat lunch or go for a walk. So now, you know, actually this week I finally just scheduled everything uh, actually on the calendar. So people won't block my time. Ah, got it. Yeah. I, um, I was going to go so ambitious as every day just yet. So I was thinking like every other day. Cause I first you got to start. Yeah. Cause man, there's just so much to do. That's like you, that's like, there's only so much time. And what I cut out of my life 
after I had multiple kids was exercise. Well, actually, after like basically our third kid, I was like, I ain't got no time, man. So something's got to go. Yeah. And so it was exercise because I was like, you know, it's only for a time. At some point, my youngest is going to be old enough that, you know, there's way less responsibility there. So we're almost getting to that point now. She's three. Um, and so we're almost out of the, out of the woods as far as like little kids, like little, little kids. And, um, so I hope to bring that back. Soon. Yeah. That's the only way. That's how I stay sane. Yeah. Going, I go for runs. Yeah. That's uh that's huge. But I mean, that's just as, that's just as like helpful as it is anything else for me. Like I get, I cut, I've cut out sleep. I don't sleep as much <laughs> yeah. as I used to. Well, you, you didn't cut out sleep. I, you added in the Nintendo I, Switch. I, yeah, I decided to <laughs> trade some sleep. I switched some sleep. You switched. For some Zelda. I've only played it, I think, three times uh, since I got it because I was in Cave Week. I'm playing and I feel like And I feel like I've played it so much because before it's Zelda, I didn't, I didn't play video games. I had a Wii U that I yeah. would rarely, rarely play. Uh, with my kids i'm talking like once every few months um when we were in the rv we played a little bit more uh but yeah i mean yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> i don't know what to say that's what happens when you get old yeah priority shift priorities have to rearrange yeah the other thing that i found that has been really helpful for me was i scheduled two things every week that i just put on my calendar was one on Wednesdays, I have date night. So no matter what happens, on w- at least once a week, I will get a chance. You get to date with somebody. I get yeah. to- <laughs> you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So my wife and I get to go out. We drop the kids off at the grandparents. And so every once a week, we have we get to do a date night. And the second one is, and I, this is where I feel like a lot of my friends, they just don't have anything like this, which, which is where we have man night. And usually that's where I can put a lot of my exercise. So mm. when we do go bounce around on trampolines to go skateboarding, it's usually night. on Monday nights. Does your wife have ladies night? Yeah. She'll usually plan something where she'll get some of her friends and then go to a winery or something like that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's cool. Idea. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta be more scheduled. I'm not a scheduled person at all. So yeah, I'm not too great with it either. Yeah. I should do, I should get better at that. That's a good idea. Especially when you feel like you're spending all your time, you're bogged down in meetings or you're, Forgetting to eat lunch, I'm sure you kind of have to yeah. take certain measures. I, yeah. That's the thing, too. It's like hanging out with friends and stuff. It's like a big deal. I flat out don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not even once. Like occasionally we'll get together as like families to do things. Yeah. Like once every few weeks we'll get together with another family. But other than that, I, I literally, literally, I'm, not, I'm in the most literal sense, I do not <laughs> hang out. With anyone, not that I don't want to. I'm, I'm that way. I love that stuff. Yeah, I just there's no time. Just fail to schedule it. Yeah, yeah. It seems yeah. like there's no time. But I find works real well, especially if you're really, really busy. Put your kids down to bed around eight o'clock, and then you just have a couple of you know a couple of guys where they're in a similar situation. Where eight o'clock comes Monday night, boom, you go take off and go hiking, and then go pop over the fence and go in a jacuzzi or something. You know? Yeah. I guess I could do that. I just am so tired. Sounds a little risky. To put the kids to bed. It's fun. But yeah. yeah, it's, it's changing now. Like I said, I'm finally coming out of the woods. You like, see the light. I'm able to like, I do not, I don't have light. to lay next to my kids. Now when I put them to bed, I can let, I can lay in the hallway and, you know, do my songs <laughs> lay in the hallway. Um, yeah. So it, it's changing. I see, I see that things will be fearing up soon. So it's kind of exciting, but get out on this man night. Yeah, I know. We yeah. got to do some man night stuff. Give you a call. Uh, go wrestle some bears <laughs> um, <laughs> in the jacuzzi, <laughs> in the jacuzzi. Perfect. <laughs> 
But uh, that's all we got. That's all the time we got. That's all we have for the show. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. We will see you next time. Thank Nate, you. thanks so much for coming of on. Thanks, man. Thank you. And we will see you all later. <laughs>